But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. You did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. As he said there, uh, welcome to the 9 by 9 Volleyball Show, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday, July 5th. This is episode 33. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago in the States. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto in the Great White North. Uh, happy belated American Independence Day to all you American fans and all, all you Canadian fans. Happy belated Canada Day. We had two great North American national holidays over the weekend. And it was celebrated, uh, in amongst many other ways, by a whole lot of volleyball going on. So, uh, Everett, sh- should we jump right into women's VNL because we know the playoff teams? It's been, uh, it's all come down to this. I mean, yes, we should jump into to playoff uh, to women's VNL, but don't you think we should just our our two great nations should come together and just decree, you know, from the second to the third, like North America, like second to the fourth, sorry, North American Day, we just come together at the border for one big party. I, I think I think that's what that's what that what that's what needs to be happening here because hey, uh, I've 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 got a, a volleyball themed idea for one of those that may or may not be going down this weekend that we'll get to later in the show. Oh, okay, I I I, I do like that um, because yeah, I I think our two great nations should have something to celebrate in 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 tangent, and those two days, the second and the third, might might be one. But yeah, Rob, let's jump in right into the VNL playoffs because uh, as of Sunday, the women's preliminary round for the VNL is done your united states and the america have essentially run the table other than that one loss to japan uh early on the aforementioned japanese who were you know first place at perfect eight no went over four this week to drop down but here are your uh top eight teams of course turkey getting the first seed overall because they finished uh, above eighth place and they are hosting your usa is going to be coming in at two brazil coming in at three italy and paulo agono coming in at four china at five, that is going to be a massive showdown right there. Japan, who were 8-0 and previous to this past week, uh, coming in at six, taking in taking on uh, Brazil. Serbia will be taking on your United States of America at seventh. And then finally, Thailand, one of the biggest surprises of the tournament in, in a lot of people's books, coming in at eighth, and they will be taking on Turkey. Rob, what do you think so far of this draw? So, yeah, this is the draw, and it definitely wasn't without its drama. Uh, so the, the matchups, like Everett said, let's take a look at the final standings as well. So you got the USA, uh, my USA, a just sterling 11-1, and uh, two straight perfect weeks of 4-0. and No big deal. Uh, reigning champs, reigning Olympic champs, probably going to go win the tournament again. I mean, we, we, yeah, we even... get it. We, we, we get it. You guys yeah. are really, really good. Yeah, we are really, <laughs> really good. I wanted to hear it from you. Now I'm satisfied. But uh, like you said, Everett, the, the real key about this is that you can see the final standings. You see USA, Brazil, Italy, who I think we've kind of agreed are really the three contenders to win the tournament up at the top of the standings in that order. But that's not how the playoff seedings are exactly because Turkey or Turkey as they're now being pronounced internationally, uh, because they're hosting the finals in Ankara starting on July, I think it's 13th, which is next Wednesday, uh, because they're hosting the finals in Ankara and they made the top eight, 
in the preliminary round, they get the one seed. So there's the look at the bracket again. They get the one seed. They get to play the eighth seed, who is Thailand. Had Turkey finished anywhere outside the top eight, they would have gotten the eighth seed. So uh, that's why Turkey dropped or jumped so far up in the standings is because they're hosting. Uh, and it, it actually goes the same with Italy on the men's side. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But even still, despite the favorable draw with Turkey playing Thailand, who I think that they'll just have way more firepower than and a home crowd behind them, I think they'll get past Thailand no problem. I still don't think that Turkey really has a chance to win this tournament. I still think it's, it's a three-team race, the USA, Brazil, and Italy. You know what? I think you're right. Uh Coming into this tournament, I had them as my favorites to win, but especially getting to, to watch them over the past few days, especially getting to watch them to Canada on Tuesday, which was the, the only bright spot in my week, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, how about, how that, about one that one, man? We were talking yeah, we, about we, it on last week's show. Like, we can, oh, yeah, we can definitely is... we can we can definitely jump into that uh, that a little bit later. But going back to Turkey, Rob, you nailed it on the head. Heading into this, this is they just don't have the side power. They just don't. They just don't have anyone on the left side, and I mean, it, they they use Baladin some sometimes, but they just don't have the consistencies both in the passing and just both in the termination level. Um, and they're just way too way too way too predictable. They do work very very well as a team, and when they get things running, they 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 work so well as a team. But you know what? If they weren't playing at home, I'd almost give advantage Thailand. But playing at wow. home in Ankara, it, playing at home in Ankara, I think Tur- Turkey's going to take it. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. But uh, yeah, we might as well just jump into what we what you brought up to the screen right there, right before the three one lo- uh, loss to Canada, because that was truly the only bright spot in Canada's week. In Calgary, um, in in Calgary, absolutely, because. Uh, Followed that up with a loss to Serbia, which everyone expected, and then two tough losses, one to Germany and then one to the Netherlands. Had they won both of those games, they actually could have been in contention to for that eighth spot. They, if, they, if they had gone three and one, they would have made the playoffs. Yeah. That, that yeah, is a fact. Absolutely. So it, 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 it seems like, to, to me, it seems like there was a little bit left on the table. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to some of the athletes after the win against Turkey, and they were, you know, like, we have an outside chance of the playoffs, so I know missing that is going to be um, disappointing for them. I know it's going to be disappointing for that staff. They wanted to prove that growth. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we go back to those standings, they are not the lowest-ranked challenger team. And that's all that matters, as the women's national team will live to see another day and live to fight another day in the next edition of the VNL in 2023. So... As far as I'm concerned, mission, mission accomplished. We could have done it with a few other wins. You know, um, it, it, w- it would have been nicer maybe to go six and six, stay 500, hell, maybe even go a little seven, seven and five. But we got one more win than last year. So let's let's take it as a win. Yep. I, th- I, that's my takeaway for Canada as well. And it does hurt to come closer to the playoffs than you probably expected before the tournament but at the end of the day you're absolutely right staying in next year's vnl i think is uh, exactly what the goal was for this team going into the tournament and yeah definitely mission accomplished and it's funny the way the week went out because we thought that you and i ever both thought on last week's show that the the netherlands and germany those last two matches were both pretty winnable and uh, of, of all the one matches to win uh, the entire week in Calgary, it was against Turkey that first night, which was crazy. But uh, the Netherlands, actually a pleasant surprise that week, as you still see the standings up there. They went three and one. They were second yeah. to last 
in the entire VNL coming in. They, they go three and one with a couple of huge wins. I think they beat Japan in five in one of those. And uh, they, they, they are a core team anyway. They had no chance of getting relegated, but they actually made a little push to the playoffs. I mean, you can see how many teams there are tied there at four and eight. Uh, yep. Let's see, six of them, which is nuts. Six teams at four and eight, Germany in 10th, all the way down to Belgium in 15th. And all those six points separated those teams. It's a win-loss record. It's the first tiebreaker in VNL. So it really yeah. was that close. And it actually yeah. came, it was, I mean, it was the, the, very the Dutch, dramatic at the end. The, the Dutch did exactly what we wanted to do, right? They went three and one, right. and they were to push. And they, you know, that got that close, and we had the advantage on points. But in my opinion, we kind of threw it away a bit. I mean, hey, if you look at the stats against Germany, we made 32 errors. They made 14. That's, like, that, that, like, that's we, it. We, that's we it out right hit there. them. We out-blocked them, right? They, they out-served us, but still, like, we, we out-dig them. We were better in reception. Like, we outplayed Germany, but we just gave them more than double the points that they, that they gave us. Um, and that, at the end of the day, is what this, this team comes down to. Unfortunately, both of our top scorers are both athletes who are also prone to be a little error-prone, right? Like, both of Alexa Gray and Kira Van Rijk, they're both prone to, 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 to put a few errors on the board, right? So, uh, ultimately, I think if it, it was a bit of a missed opportunity. But uh, as, as some people are saying in the, in, the, in the chat, I think we just need a little bit more depth. Much like United States of America, who it seems like you guys can go to anyone, run any type of lineup, and you're getting dubs. Uh, we need maybe not that kind of depth. I don't know. Don't think we can get there, but we need a little bit more depth than what we currently have. Yeah, a couple good points in the YouTube chat. By the way, if you're uh, listening on the audio podcast after the fact, uh, check out the show live on the Volleyball Source YouTube channel every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And yeah, if you're watching on YouTube right now, uh, get in the chat. We're, we're seeing your questions. Uh, yeah, two jacks for one of our Discord homies. Great point. Yeah, someday you'll be able to use more than eight players. Today, unfortunately, is not that day because I totally agree. There's a big drop off after those first eight or nine girls. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the the, the biggest frustration in all of this is the injury to Autumn Bailey uh, back in 2019, and she destroyed her knee. I believe it was an ACL, and she's been recovering and and rehabbing since then, and has had a multiple surgery. But that tandem of Autumn Bailey, who's a former Michigan State star, along with uh, Alexa Gray, and then if you add in athletes like Howe and Mitrovic, that would have been a really, really good left side core. Uh, having those two come off the bench, but losing Autumn Bailey is still hurting three years later. Yep, and uh, another another great point in the chat is uh, glad to see an actual playoff format and no final six garbage. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Uh, of, all, of all the things that we've complained about, about the FIVB and the structure of this tournament, this is a step in the right direction. This is the first year for VNL that will have a proper single elimination bracket. None of this final six trash with like pool play and top two make it to the semifinals. No, none of that. Eight team bracket, very typical traditional tournament style, single elimination. You win three matches, you win the tournament. That's it. So uh, I'm definitely excited about that format for both the men's and the women's finals. A couple other points uh, from this this week's VNL on the women's side. There's actually really a lot to get to here. You mentioned you mentioned Japan. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, eight and zero, perfect coming in. And I asked you ever on last week's show, do you think that Japan finishes the tournament undefeated? You said no. Because that they had a little bit of a tougher schedule uh, in Calgary, we were suspicious that they may have had a very very easy schedule those first two weeks. However, I don't think either of us predicted this. I was not expecting to Japan to drop all the way from first in the VNL to sixth. That was very surprising. 
Yeah, and, and absolutely. I don't think anyone saw it. I, you know, when I said I thought they were going to drop in, I was thinking like two and two. You yeah, know, three and one maybe, like like two and two, losing a match. Like oh, going eight and zero in the first first two weeks was overachieving massively, right? And I mean, I think I called the U.S. men's team the the biggest overachieving team in VNL this year. But <laughs> up until that point, the reality is that it had, it had been the Japanese women going eight and zero perfect them to crash and burn like this that's absolutely massive right it can't be under understated how big that is um and you know what if they just lose one game in there they're in that top four right they're playing in the playing in the top four we're going oh and four now you have to play brazil in the first round like that's basically the end of japan's tournament Yep, yeah, that hurts. You, you get now you have to play uh, exactly Brazil in the first round. That is probably a death blow. I totally agree with you. And one of those Japanese losses that I thought was really interesting was the very, very last one, uh, a five-set loss to Belgium. As we put the some of the individual scoring performances up on the screen, uh, actually the two leading scorers on the women's side in all of VNL going head-to-head, Britt Herbots of Belgium finishing at three hundred and six points which is absolutely ridiculous. I read somewhere that uh, Herbots had four 30-point games in VNL. Four. And the rest of VNL combined, every other player in the tournament total had four 30-point games. That's how much of a workhorse Britt Herbots was for this Belgian team. And That's up against insanity. Serena Kogo, head-to-head, like the two top scorers in the tournament, Kogo, who was just terrific for Japan, but they... Didn't really have much else that last week in Ottawa. Uh, it was funny that it all kind of came down to that. And at the very, very end, uh, Belgium actually beat Japan 3-2. to two. I think it was 15-10 to 10 in the fifth. Let me pull it up. Real, so real that. quick, Herbots had four 30-point games and two 29-point games. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right? <laughs> and all of, her, all of the rest of <laughs> her games, she had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten matches above above twenty points. One with eighteen and one with six. Brit Herbots is a scoring machine, and she will not be in VNL next year. That is exactly <laughs> what I wanted to get to. Is because Belgium uh, beat Japan in five on the very last day. They thought that because they beat Japan, because they got a win and got to four and eight, that they were going to be in. They thought that they were rather not in, but not relegated. They thought that that was what they needed. However, uh, there, it was really quite the, quite the scene as they won. They won the match, all this joy, exuberance. And then they learned that this happened elsewhere in the tournament. Bulgaria got their only win of the week at home in Sofia, beating Poland. And it was after the Dominican Republic had a surprisingly good week and Canada had a surprisingly good week or just were able to beat Turkey in that first match and that was good enough. Bulgaria and Belgium were really the two teams in a race to the bottom for relegation. And after Belgium beat Japan, they thought that they survived until they learned about this. Bulgaria beating Poland and it's actually Bulgaria that survives and they do not get relegated. They have the, the points tiebreaker over Belgium there in the standings. So exactly like you said, Everett, Britt Herbots is a monster. She's a top five outside hitter in the world at the very, very least. And she will not be playing VNL this next year unless they can win the FIVB Challenger Cup. And that's something I wanted to bring up because this was posted by Britt Herbots on her Instagram. It reads, the end. We finished another VNL and I have to be honest, I have a double feeling after this one. I loved playing every single match, playing in front of amazing fans, fighting for every point, giving all my energy, but it has been hard. 
teammates getting injured, COVID, jet lags, and no matter what, my team was still standing strong every single match. Always ready to fight, never giving up. Not being the last team of the VNL and still having to fight to earn our spot for next year makes me so mad. It's just so unfair because we showed the world that we deserve to be here and to hashtag be part of the game. Now it's time for a break to get my rest and to reflect. Thank you all. Everett, Belgium finishes 4-8. and eight. There is a six-way tie at 4-8. and eight. That is not the last place team in the tournament. You have Korea sitting down there at an absolutely embarrassing 0-12. Yet, Korea they is guaranteed a spot sets. next year's three sets. Korea won three, three sets in 12 matches. That's one set per week. And Korea is guaranteed a spot next year's VNL, while Belgium is going to have to fight their way through the Challenger Cup to play again next year. That is garbage. Not, not only does Belgium deserve to be there, but the, volley- the volleyball world and volleyball fans and p- potential volleyball fans deserve to see Britt Herbots. And that's, that's where the, the biggest loser is all this. Like We have arguably one of the best athletes we have who will not be competing yet next year because her country doesn't make enough money for the competition as opposed to another country that only won three sets. They didn't even win as many sets as Belgium has won matches. As any other team had won the matches. And yet, they're given the right to compete for next year. Like, yeah, you can't justify Where it. Where do we there's, go wrong? Yeah, there's just, Where do we go wrong? There's just nothing you can say. There's just nothing that can be said to justify that from a competitive standpoint or any standpoint that makes any sense at all, even though we know what the reason actually is, and that's that Korea is a wealthy country, even though they are there this year, fielded a terrible, terrible women's volleyball team in this VNL. It is a crime that Britt Herbots may or may not be in VNL next year. And we will talk about Challenger Cup in a little bit because with the news of Belgium's relegation, we now know the eight teams in FIVB Challenger Cup. And I would say that Belgium are the early favorites to win that tournament, but you never know. It's not certain. And they're going to have to have probably three 30-point games out of Britt Herbots again to just get back into the tournament where they belong. Meanwhile, Korea, 0-12, only wins three sets the entire tournament and they get to play next year. It's just... It's it's just ridiculous. I I I can't justify it, and there's just, there's really just nothing more to say. I I feel very bad for Belgium and their fans. They don't deserve this. No, they they don't. And the volleyball world doesn't doesn't deserve this. And yet, this is the type of decision making that puts us puts us where we are. Right. It's uh, it's frustrating. However, I do want to give Bulgaria credit because without their best player by far, uh, Elitsa Vasileva, who got married to Alexander Atanasievich and took the tournament off, without their best player by far, they still were able to be the last-minute addition of the tournament because, remember, they took Russia's spot. They weren't even supposed to be in VNL, and they were kind of the last-second replacement for Russia in the field, and they managed to stay in VNL. So uh, that was Big impressive. Up. Big ups for them, but how oh, about yeah. the other side of the net with Poland? Poland. What happened That's to Poland? Exactly what I wanted to bring up. Right. O and four, another what, O and four what's team. Going on? They what, went. What they did, went from what? very good playoff position. They were four and four, and they, it was really between them and Thailand to get the last playoff spot. And they completely throw it away by going O and four. Even if they had won one match, it probably wouldn't, would have been good enough to make it in because Thailand finished at four and or sorry five and seven. Yeah, look at that. Look how far Poland dropped. From 8th to 13th by going 0-4 in a do-or-die week. That is brutal. Yeah, and I mean, their losses really are just... 
they're just a little lackluster in, yeah, in my opinion. Bad ones. Like losing to Bulgaria, losing to the losing to the Dominican to the Dominican Republic. That's a bad one. Losing three nothing to China, including in twenty five to eight first set. Losing three one to to Italy. I mean, okay, that's that's kind of to be expected. Um, but yeah, just five to eight. I, I remember seeing that scroll down when it happened, but I forgot about it until you just brought it up just now. Like it Yikes. looks like they got pummeled by Italy and China, and then they just had no will to live throughout uh. the rest of the week because, like, this Dominican team is not that great. No, we I can't. Them. I can't believe they won any matches like that. That that, that Dominican team had no business winning any matches. They had actually, actually kind of a surprisingly good week. They say they beat Thailand three to one for full points. They got stomped by China, they beat Poland in five, and then they I think they got crushed by somebody else. I can't remember. But I mean, I thought they were gonna get relegated and they were actually just they they only missed the playoffs by one point, five and I mean, seven with fourteen points to Thailand's fifteen. The reality is is that Korea should have been relegated, right? Oh yeah. That's, absolutely that's the long the long and short of it. Yep. So we've talked a lot about uh, the bottom of this women's VNL. I think a little bit too much. I want to highlight the matches at the top of the VNL. Uh, this one was one that happened at the very, very end of the tournament. It was actually a win and in scenario for Germany. Uh, the German women were one of those teams that were at four and seven. And if they had they had taken three points and gotten to five and seven against the USA, they actually would have made the playoffs over Thailand, uh, but they couldn't get it done in that one. Uh, the USA who. I mean, we pretty much had nothing to play for at that point. Uh, still got really good performances. I mean, Sarah Wilhite, who's on the fringe of the world championship roster, led the match in scoring. That's kind of the depth of the USA women that we're talking about. And uh, so annoying. <laughs> what you want to just like you guys can players? go, you guys can go to like the thirteenth player on your bench and your, on your roster or a fifteenth or whatever, and be like, yeah, just go out there, score twenty five. You can do it. <laughs> There's a, and that, that's kind of leads me into some of my points about the USA. We, we talked about Canada a good amount already, but I also wanted to show this match: uh, USA beating Turkey at three to two, eighteen sixteen in the fifth. Oh, that that was that one was definitely the best match that I watched last week. It uh, didn't have quite as much on the line as like the the Belgium Japan match or a couple of those other five setters with playoff implications, but it was probably the most high level match played this week. Uh, and some of the numbers coming from it were pretty interesting. I mean, Abrar Karakur led the match in scoring with 27, 24 for 48 attacking, only seven errors. It's actually not bad. Uh, pretty good efficiency on 50% kills. Uh, Kara Bayama, another like random, you know, third, fourth, fifth, to, like, fifth American outside hitter. Hey, go out, score 25. Uh, 26 points for Kara Bayama, who's headed to Vakif Bank next year. 24 for 47 attacking, like, this is a player that not all that many people know on the international stage. I mean, she had a really good year at Zhezhov, but she doesn't have any business getting 47 sets in a VNL match and leading leading the USA and scoring, but she did. Annie Drews, 24. Kelsey Robinson, 21. And then second leading scorer for Turkey was Zara Gunesh with 19. I mean, like 19 points from a middle on 14 for 23 with five blocks is incredible. But again, they're just missing that left side presence. Yeah, I mean, Turkey's only the only thing that Turkey is keeping them alive is they're blocking this one 12 oh, yeah. blocks in, to your guys' is five. You, you guys are making a, a few more errors as well, but like this is where we it comes up again. You can't like you can't have a middle being consistently your second top score, right? No, you can't have you, that. You can't because you have the one option on the on the right side with Karakurt, and then you've got Gunesh, and someone on the left side has to step up. They need they like they need to take Karatasu since they're going to be. 
naturalizing all these athletes, they need to take Karatasu pops her to the left side. She's left-handed. That's, that's not it's not gonna work. I I, I don't care. see it. I just don't care. Do it. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got this like wealth of riches. Then what else? What else is what else is Melissa Vargas and Karatasu doing? As Turkish citizens now, like playing and uh, playing in the Sultan Larligi, and that's it because they can only have one naturalized player. Uh, Salih Hasahin actually in this one was really good. Uh, 15 for 26 with only one error. That's actually above 50% efficiency, but they just didn't use her that much. And like Ada Erdem, 14. Maliha Ismailulu with five. Five for 14 at the other outside. That's kind of the weakness there. But I want to talk about more about the USA because right now, I, I mean, the going into the world championships or going into like VNL finals, the, there's actually a lot about the USA roster that I'm really curious to see what happens. I mean, we had my, my boy, the greatest player of all time, Karch Kirai on the thumbnail for this episode of the show, coaching the USA women. He's the best to ever do it as a player. Now he's uh, quickly approaching goat status as a coach. If he keeps on this pace, but he's going to have some hard decisions to make here. I mean, think even, even about setters, now that Jordan Poulter's healthy, she played this week in Calgary and was good, but it was mostly Lauren Carlini who we saw more so than Micah Hancock previously in the tournament. So what, who, what are, what's he going to do about the second setter? I think opposite is set. I think that's Jordan Thompson, Annie Drews. Middle is a little bit of a toss-up as well. I mean, Chaka Bogu, Haley Washington are locks, and then it's kind of between like Dana Retke, Tori Dixon, I don't know, maybe like Anna Stevenson. There are a couple other characters there. Outside hitter is the really interesting one because you've got Catherine Plummer, you've got Kelsey Robinson, but then, like we said, Sarah Wilhide had awesome matches. Kara Bayama had awesome matches. Ali Franti has had awesome matches. Like, there's so many more American outside hitters who are like B plus or A minus international level players, and we just have like eight of them just sitting around. So, uh, what 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 Karch does for the VNL Finals roster and then the World Championships roster later in the year is going to be really interesting at the outside spot. If we take a macro level look at this, do we think that we're starting to see, like, on the the verge of an American women's dynasty, like like we've seen with like the Brazilian men in the past? Um, like, is that is that where we're at right now? Just because of the the quality that the NCAA that is 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 putting out, the quality of the system and the program that Karch is running, you have so much depth so much buy-in everyone wants to be a part of it like are now that they've they've got that camel off their you know that that monkey off their back and they've won the olympic gold like is everything going to start flowing now is it's because that's really what it's starting to seem like it's the best program in the world it's the best development system in the world and it's the most complete senior level national team in the world uh the, the only thing that'll stop them from a dynasty is if they run into a tiana boscovich or a paula egonu or maybe even like an Abra Karakurt or like some singularly unbelievable athlete that gets in their way in a big tournament because the U.S. doesn't Only, have one of those. I don't think Boscovich has the ability to, and mostly because I don't think she has the quality around her. I think Italy has the the overall quality to be able to put Agano a in a spot to beat the U.S. But yep, I, I, think, I, would, I, I would, at this point, I would, I would give like... Out of out of ten matches, I'd give three to Italy and seven to the U.S. I think the I think Italy is the only team that if they played five matches could win two or even more. I think we we that's more or less what we the, yeah, the, that's what it yeah pretty I'm, but I'm I'm reducing the fractions for the fans a little bit. You know uh, the the USA wrote the book on defending Tiana Boscovich in in the Olympic semifinals last year. The way that Karch defended against her was. 
has has had ripple effects on all of club volleyball because everyone against Boscovich now shifts position six all the way back to the deep corner to blocks the line and puts basically two defenders on her deep cross court and that totally shut her down in the Olympics. Brazil doesn't match up very well against the U.S. at all until they get uh, like a Sheila Castro in her prime level opposite that can compete there. The USA is better at every position except Gabi and we're, and we're we're so much better everywhere else that we'll beat Brazil 10 times out of 10. I think Italy with Egonu and then a couple of the other players that are, you know, A minus B plus level international players. That's the only team that I see beating the U.S. in a major international tournament for the foreseeable future. And to go back to the bracket, uh, we could very well see that in the finals. I, I would pick Italy to go to the finals from that left side of the bracket there. Uh, Italy, China is going to be good. And then Italy, Turkey is going to be good. But I do think that Italy is better than both those two teams. And I think USA will get past Serbia and Brazil, no problem. So I would pick USA, Italy for the final. And that match, I think, will might be a, a little bit of an early turning point for the year of, is this really a, a, a long-term dynasty for the U.S.? I do agree that Italy is the one team that has the potential to uh, beat the U.S. But I also think that Italy has the, it's also the one team that has potential to self-implode. Oh, for and sure. They, they, they can just, go 25, 15, 15, 15 and get swept if, if things don't go right. But to, to, to anyone, right? Right. Because like, yeah, if, yeah. if, if Agonu just doesn't show up one day and they play against China, like I, I think China and Brazil bring way more consistency to their, consistency to their game than, than, uh, than Italy. But Italy's top end is just way higher than, than either of those teams. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, China's actually had a really good week, like quietly. Uh, they definitely benefited from Japan having a terrible week, but China's played some pretty good volleyball here lately, even without Zhu Ting. So I, I still don't think they're going to beat Italy, but you're right. The the consistency at the level that they play, if they get Egonu on a bad day, they can beat them. Uh, but I don't think there's quite enough talent there. But, but I agree with your point in general. Italy's extremely streaky, but at the tops of their peaks, I think they might be the only team in the world that can legitimately take down the USA right now. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I, I do. I do. I am excited for this playoff draw. I think it's a great draw. Um, it is a good draw. Yeah, it's. And I, again, I, I think. I think it's going to be fun all around, even if, from the quarterfinals on. Get started uh, July thirteenth, which I'm pretty sure is next Wednesday, so eight days from now, uh, in Ankara, Turkey. That's Brazil versus Japan and United States versus Serbia next Wednesday. And then Italy versus China and Turkey versus Thailand next Thursday. So we'll talk about those. We'll preview those on next week's show. Everett, is there anything else you want to go over about women's VNL before we move on? No, I think we I talked think about yeah. We talked about playoffs. We talked about relegation. We talked about Korea being embarrassing. We talked about Canada. I mean, and we've covered it. I think we covered it kind of nicely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the only like yeah no, we're 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 good. Let's 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 move on to uh, week three of VNLN. Or do we have ads first? We have ads first, and the last thing I wanna I wanna bring up about the women. I don't have a graphic for this, but I'll go through it. Uh, we mentioned that Belgium, although being relegated from VNL, still has a chance to earn a spot in next year's VNL, and that is through the FIVB Challenger Cup. So we've talked about it a little on the show before, but I want to make the format clear again. So there's 16 teams in VNL. Uh, there's this whole core challenger team garbage that we already complained about. But the lowest ranked challenger team drops down into this challenger cup tournament, uh, which is an eight team tournament full, full, of, full of teams from just different 
continental national team qualifiers and now with with now that we know belgium will be playing in it later this year the field is set so the format of challenger cup is very very simple it's actually the same as the vnl finals it's just an eight team single elimination tournament so the i don't have a graphic okay. for it but I'll, I'll i'll go through it croatia versus kazakhstan is one quarterfinal uh belgium versus the czech republic is another colombia versus france and then Puerto Rico versus Cameroon. Uh, so those, oh, okay. those are the quarterfinals of the FIVB Challenger Cup. That starts, uh, this is all in Croatia, starting on July 28th, uh, which is, uh, that's my birthday, actually. I think that's a Thursday. So it's like several Thursdays from now. In Croatia, just very simple, single elimination tournament. The winner of that gets that final spot in the 2023 Volleyball Nations League. So it could be Belgium. But they're going to have to run the table. They're going to have to beat the Czech Republic. They're going to have to beat, I would have to assume, that Croatia at home will beat Kazakhstan. And then on the other side of the bracket there, France, Colombia, Puerto Rico, Cameroon, I would have to assume that France will come out of that. So uh, Belgium, their, their next summer is not, not out of the question yet for VNL, but that is the path for one of those eight teams to grab the last spot in next year's VNL. And there'll be exactly the same thing on the men's side once we know who that that last team is, like whoever gets last in VNL this it, year. It, it really comes down to, like, just looking at these teams, it really comes down to, um, is it, Britt Herbots going to be healthy? Is she going to be tired, right? Like, how many sets did she, did she just get in VNL? A lot. How, you know, <laughs> how much time are they giving her, you know, off in, in between that? Because looking at that, like, I think Kazakhstan is actually kind of uh, as low-key good. Uh, I don't know why. I Are just they? have a feeling that I only, I only saw them uh, back when we saw we had the first edition of uh, The Place That Shall Not Be Named hosting an FIVB event. It was an Olympic qualifier in like 2019, and Kazakhstan was there, and they went like a pretty embarrassing 0-3 and didn't beat anybody. So I don't really have any high hopes for them. But, I mean, you never know. I, I still think that Belgium's the best team in this tournament because they have the best 100%. player. But, I mean, Croatia has Samantha Fabris. She's really good, and they're playing at home. So, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, we're, we agree that there's definitely some injustice here for Belgium, but they do still have a chance. FIVB Challenger Cup for the women going down starting July 28th. Men, uh, very similar. I think theirs is in Korea, like, about the same time in, in late July. So uh, we'll talk about that on next week's show once we know uh, the final standings for the men. Speaking of the men, we got to talk about men's VNL, but first, Everett, let the people know about BetUS. BetUS is America's favorite sports book. It's been around since 1994. They're the true OGs of the game. And hey, it's the betting season. You've got golf going on. We got Wimbledon going on. Our our girl, Claire Hanna, is covering Wimbledon right now for uh, for TSN. Um you could put a bet on that. There's a million baseball games every single day. F1 is right in the middle of the season. So when you sign on to BetUS and use the code, code Volley125, you are going to get a 125% deposit bonus. That means you get $125 dollars for free. You put in 100 you got $125 for free. You bam, just, just like that. It's literally free money. So use the link down below and uh, use the code Volley125 to get uh, your discount uh, for 125% deposit bonus. It's literally free money. Go use it. Go make more money. And then you can use that money and have it on over to that volleyball.store and buy some of our merch. 
You can get the spicy volleyball merch that I'm wearing right now. You can get the make, make, make volleyball great merch. You can get water bottles. You can get hats. You can get stickers. You can get baseball tees, T-shirts. You get 9 by 9 merch. It's all there. Um, I think at this point I might need to uh, make a 9 by 9 the 91 square meters best, uh, best volleyball <laughs> show because I am getting chirped relentlessly in the Discord. Uh, so we, we, we might have to make it. But make sure you head over to that volleyball, that store, and grab yourself some merch. And that's a great way to support us. All right, guys. Let's go back to the show. Yes, let's get back to the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Men's Volleyball Nations League Week 3 has started today. Uh, it is in two places in the world. We already did a pretty detailed, like, standings analysis on last week's show, so we're not going to do that again. Uh, check out last week's 9 by 9 for uh, Everett and I's playoff picks for the men. Uh, but the men in this is this is it this is it but by, by this time next week we will know uh, the eight finalists on the men's side uh week three going down in two places in the world right now the one is in gdansk poland featuring uh poland the hosts bulgaria italy iran the netherlands china serbia and slovenia and the other site in the world is green yay okay we did it hey we got it back all right oh <laughs> <laughs> thanks for rolling with the punches men's uh, men's vienna and osaka this week uh, the USA, Germany, Canada, Argentina, Brazil, Japan, Australia, and France. And those, they're already today, were just four matches played because, unfortunately, with VNL being in Asia, the times for us North American viewers are just positively horrible. And But but in, in Gdansk and Poland, they're actually kind of North American friendly. But uh, the men's week kicked off with this banger. Uh, my beloved USA team defeating Germany 3-1, to 25-21-19. Then uh, Germany took one 22-25 before we finished them off 25-18. to 18. Everett, Micah Christensen is back. And boy, is it good to see Micah Christensen back. Like one of the very, very few weaknesses that the U.S. has had so far uh, this, this tournament, as well as Josh Twininga has played, he's definitely been exposed as a blocker. And there's just been some like late game decisions that he's made that Micah Christensen just he wins you sets in those cases, whereas uh, another setter just might not be able to give that to you. So it's really good to see Micah Christensen back in this. Uh, you know, you know who I think is the happiest to see Micah Christensen back so far? Probably Aaron Russell. Probably Aaron Russell. Going nineteen, 19 for thirty four. 34. Yeah, yeah, not bad. He had a forty-seven percent efficiency, which is absolutely ridiculous. That'll certainly work. Uh, Lucas Massa, who we've talked about, we, we we both talked about how impressed we were by him in Ottawa as playing middle blocker for Germany. This time he he started it opposite. So no Linus Weber in this one for the Germans. Uh, Massa fourteen for forty with four errors. So much less of a good performance with Massa on the right side than how good he was in the middle throughout the rest of the tournament, just not even close to efficient enough. I, I won't lie. Watching him play in the middle, he just has – he has, like, such a good swing for the middle, you know? He's able – his ability to float just straight up and then just dominate the ball straight down. Like, he, he was very dominant in the middle, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be able to translate to the right side. I know he's going to be playing right side next year for Lundberg, and he was a backup right side this year, past year for Friedrichshafen. But I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I might actually go back and watch this match uh, just to check it out, just to see kind of how he looks on the right side, because I'm still not sure if his athleticism that we see in the middle can translate to, 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 to the right side. I'm with you. I, I am a guy who's played both of those positions, uh, not nearly at this high of a level, but it is 
a very different skill set. And Masa looks great in the middle. And the exact point that you made, his arm looks like the arm swing of a middle blocker and not that of an opposite. And you've just got to be a high ball scoring threat at opposite of this level. And uh, he just wasn't efficient enough today. Uh, Kyle Ensing, his numbers were okay. Uh, 12 for 25 with five errors uh, plus an ace. That's that's not quite as efficient as we want our opposite to be. Although, I mean, we're not going to get Matt Anderson back in this tournament, but we are going to get him back later in the summer. Uh, TJ DeFalco, 11 for 19, only two errors. That's about 50% efficiency. That's pretty good as well. So uh, it's just really good to see Micah Christensen back. And the USA now, let's see, where are we at in the standings? That's win number seven, right? I think we've got to be seven and two. You're seven and two. You're in fourth at the moment. Yeah. One point behind France. Fabulous. So uh, it, it'll, I think if the U.S. gets another win this week we might rest the starters for the last game but uh next up for the u.s is france and you certainly can't uh, can't take that match for granted i think we've got uh we've got france we've got canada and then we have one other one this week i don't remember who uh, i'll have to look that up in a minute but yeah the, uh you the u.s are back michael christensen's back that's wonderful uh you want to talk about the other match that we saw today everett or do you want to talk about some some uh, some roster things because there's some interesting roster moves for week three, but we let's, also got to get to the Maple Volleys. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about. I mean, hey, we've known for a long time that Argentina is our kryptonite. They just play a, a skill level of game that we just can't com- can't compete with, uh, and especially with with the current roster. We talked about it last week that I was not confident that we would be able to get a win this week, uh, and I was hoping that if anywhere we were going to be able to sneak a win through, it was going to be against Argentina, and that clearly didn't happen. Now, much like the women's team, we outscored them in this one. Of course, we couldn't do much else other than that. They outblocked us, they outserved us, and we made more errors than them. 41. 21 service errors. 21 Yikes. service errors for Team Canada. Um, is ugly. It's, it, 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 is, it, is, it is truly ugly. Um, and that's something that is going to have to be reined in. Because, you know, six for Marr, eight for Sclater. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's a, that's a lot of opportunities that we're just giving to, to Argentina. We're not putting any pressure on them. And in the past, whenever we, we've been able to have success against them, is by keeping the pressure on them. Uh, and we clearly weren't able able to do it uh, in this one. Attacking wise, things are looking pretty good. Mar, you can start to see how the, the toll of this tournament is getting to him. This is by far his worst game so far. Nine errors, ten kills, only ten for thirty-one in this one. Good to see Lefke starting to get some some more volume in this one with with thirty-seven deaths, but. You know what we've there's been so much talk on the especially on the discord like criticizing this decisions about you know who's on the court and stuff like that with this team but the reality is is that I don't know many teams that graduated as many all world players as we did this this past year when you look at how there's no more Gord Perrin there's no more Grant Vigrass there's no more you know at, at, for the moment there's no Steve Marshall or Blair Band there's no and there's uh, no Shawan Fernandez right which no matter what you want to say with them that that's a guy who we've relied on in the past to put up 20 points in a match and and you know rely, rely on him right um we're this team is doing their best out there and like that's that's really the 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 only the, the long and short of it right we can't ask much more from this team changing the style of plays with the, the roster turnovers that, that, that we've seen with the change of, of style of play that, that we've seen um, 
with with the fatigue that we've seen. It's going to be a long process, uh, and this beginning part might not be very ugly. You know, I think both of us maybe had some high expectations based off that one exhibition game against France, where I think France maybe took the foot off the pedal for uh, uh, for a little bit just for an exhibition game. Um, but I can also see it happening. But uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull out a win this week. The schedule is just just, just too tough. The teams that we're going to be playing is, is going to be too tough. And it's uh, it, it's going to it's going to take a good one from us. Yeah, and we, we've known that Argentina is Canada's kryptonite for a long time. Uh, I've made I've been making fun of you for that for years, but at this point, I just I just want Canada to not get relegated. I still don't think they will because Australia still exists in this tournament. Uh, but they, I, I'm I'm with you. If this if Canada was going to get a win this week, it was going to come here, and it, and it didn't. Uh, their other matches are Japan, the United States, and who's the last one? Let's see. Brazil. Yeah. Oof. I mean, Japan in Japan uh, is known to be basically meme worthy. Like us playing Japan in Japan is, is known to be basically meme worthy. <laughs> yeah, World Cup um, 2019. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That one's been on a few Titans Volley highlight reels. Um, you guys are rolling really, really good right now. Um, maybe I, if I think honestly, and this you're going to be mad at this one, but if I, we're going to pull out a win, I think pulling one against the U.S. is maybe possible. If a, we to, see draw, rest some guys. Yeah, and you also, have to hope like, that we beat France. It's, it's one that we need. We can get up for, you know? Like, screw it, boys. We might lose every game, but at least let's beat, beat the U.S. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go beat the U.S. You know, that's something the boys can get behind. Yeah, you that, better hope something. we beat France. If, if, we don't, if we don't beat France, there's no possible way we play the bench against Canada. Uh, so if, if we, but if we do beat France and we, like, secure a playoff spot, then maybe we do play the bench against Canada. So uh, we'll you better hope see. for that because uh, ever, the, the trash talk between you and I will be flying quite high on July 9th, which is uh, this, well, it's this Saturday at two thirty in the morning Eastern time. So uh, that that sucks. That. It, it, we, we won't we won't be able to have have all that I'll, much fun watching. I'll it actually together. be getting I'll actually be getting home from work at that time, so I'll be raring to go. All right. Well, uh, are you going to be getting home from the bar at that time? No, I'll be I'll be uh, in, probably in a tent in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Oh, uh, you're friday night of, of of a certain of a certain grass volleyball tournament that we'll talk about later uh yeah maybe maybe i'll like stream it on my phone i, I don't know i, I got to figure out a way to watch canada versus the usa because that's one of my favorite rivalries and it just happens to be at 1 40 in the morning my time which really sucks but uh just to wrap it up with canada gonna be a tough week still don't before we talk about the last thing that happened this week, a, cu- a couple notable roster moves that are happening in week three. One is the return of Luciano DiCecco. And that, I, ha- I think, has to be giving Argentina a lot of they were able to beat Canada in this match because the difference, and I, I only watched the highlights of this one. I, I want to sit down tonight and watch the full USA and Canada matches. But the difference, like the visible difference in the Argentinian offense, even without Bruno Lima doing much of anything, with Luciano DiCecco setting instead of Matias Sanchez is night and day. So it's, it, it's, and I'm actually kind of surprised that Argentina bothered to bring DiCecco because they have basically no chance of making the playoffs and they're, then they can't get relegated. World so, champs. so World why, champs, why right? bring your setter? But yeah, you got to get the guys some, some competitive rhythm before world champs. And Luciano DiCecco is obviously one of the great difference makers in the game. Uh, Another interesting roster move is one that I actually kind of called for talking about the Polish men 
sure enough, they do bring three middles only in a Biniak, Kuos, and Kokonovsky. But instead of adding a fourth, a fifth outside hitter, they actually added a third opposite. So, Butrin. yeah, okay. Bartosz Kurek, Lukasz Kaczmarek, and Karol Butrin are all on the roster this week in Gdansk. Uh, Butrin, I do, would do assume, is, is, is no, I, I think Butrin is, think is out there. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, do you think Gerbich is out there? We'll listen to the nine by nine. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's, that's what I think. We might have know. gotten a few ideas in his head when we were chatting with him in Ottawa, but sure enough, he brings Jan Fierle over Gregor Schwalmach, which we love, and he brings Butrin as probably an elite level service substitute. Also, Bartosz Bednors, not Bartosz Kvolek. Uh, so Bednors actually today uh, made his VNL debut, and we'll talk about Poland in just a second. But a couple other, we talked about Micah Christensen coming in, also Ivan Zaitsev. Uh, is in Japan playing with Italy this week. And he didn't play today as Italy destroyed Bulgaria with pretty much no problems. But uh, Zaitsev is there, so we might see him this week. That'll be kind of cool. But speaking of Poland, Everett, wow. Poland, Poland at home, at home, goes down to their hated rivals, Iran. In five, a three to two Iran, fifteen to seven in the fifth. After one of the greatest service runs that I've ever seen from Amin, you know their their lefty opposite who we've talked about. Uh, oh, I'm very aware. Absolute cannon. Look at these scores from two to two to twelve to two. A side out and then a nine to nothing run on Amin's serve, including let's see one two three four uh just trying to count the aces at least four aces it's like it's just astonishing the run that he went on uh he got he got three in the stat sheet but one was a near ace crazy 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 iran in poland beats poland in five with like most of the polish a team there is this polish team a little bit vulnerable or is iran still like managing to capture lightning in a bottle against the best teams in the world no, I think this Polish team is sloppy as hell. 41 errors in this one uh, to Iran's 22. That's a lot. You had Bed- Bednorsh making 14 errors, 8 in attacking, 6 in serving on his own, right? Obviously, he's a little rusty with this team, but still, those are some some big uh, error numbers right there. And, like, you just just a lot of errors on the Polish side of things and a lot of service-received errors. Three errors in service-received for Paweł Zatorski. Three for Zatorski. That's like that's unheard of. Yeah, that's not and good. Two, and two more for Shlivka, right? So the numbers just really not looking great. Like they they put up great team numbers, right? They outscore. They had an attack pull in 60, 60 to fifty six. Out blocked them twelve to five. Even with a mean serve run, they still outserve them ten to nine. But forty one to twenty two errors. That's the difference maker right there for Poland. So I think they were just it was just sloppy, undisciplined volleyball from Poland, which. I think you're going to get sometimes with this team. You know, they're they're not going to be the disciplined, disciplined, you know, uh, executing machine that the American women are. They're they're never going to be that. They're a highly talented team that is probably going to take a few games here and off here and there. And it seems like they had an ugly one in this one, and Iran was able to pull through in that. Yeah, Iran. So I watched this game. Iran looked super impressive. They played much, much cleaner volleyball. I mean, nine aces to 15 service errors is a really good ratio. Only 22 errors total, like only seven pure attacking errors in five sets is a good number for an Iranian offense that really come into this tournament we knew nothing about. And this Amin character, I mean, what, what a monster. 
And uh, Milad, Milad Abadapur against Poland, where he's played club and has citizenship. Really good match. Uh, 14 for 24, 18 points. Uh, Amin attacking 14 for 27, plus the the, the run in the fifth. And Esfandiar, uh, Amir Hossein Esfandiar is a young outside hitter. He's only 23. He's two meters and nine. So he's a mm-hmm. big dude and 19 for 32 today with only three errors. It's, that's 50% yeah. efficiency. Like 50% efficiency. Out of well. nowhere, after Iran, like that first week in Brazil, were just so bad and just lackluster and, and unspectacular. They they beat the U.S., they beat Poland here, uh, they beat Brazil, they beat. They beat somebody else good last week. Or they like they laid an egg against Bulgaria, but then responded. Uh, yeah, beat us. They, they definitely, yeah, they they crushed us. Okay, and you know what? After after the first week, I remember talking about like that. Iran, as much like Canada, we're, we're very much on the same timeline. They they entered the world scene a little bit earlier than us, but we were the two teams over the last de- decade of cement ourselves within that upper echelon of, of volleyball to be able to be with the, the top teams and, and, and to, you know, to the, make the Olympics and to, to be VNL world champs, all of that stuff. And after week one, I was, I was kind of looking at me like, man, Iran really not got much in the pocket, but since then they have showed up completely different and it looks like they are handling their transition from one era to another much better than we are so far. Um, and th- th- this shows it. I mean, the fact that they're able to spread the offense out the way that it does 18, you know, how, how many attempts did the like, 32 for Esfandiar, 24 for Avadapur, 27 for Amin? Like they are just spreading that offense like butter and you've got talent everywhere, right? You've got that, that ability. Like you saw all of these guys come up. You saw Maruf help them. You see guys like Avadapur help them. You've had that success with the, the juniors and the, and the youth levels. Like, I'm I'm excited to see what happens with Iranian volleyball over the next little bit because yeah, they're showing up with quality. Yeah, Mohammed Vadi is their new seems to be their new starting setter, and he just deserves a lot of credit for filling Maruf's shoes and, and distributing such a balanced offense. Uh, Bartosz Kurik, a bright spot for Poland, 19 for 34, uh, two blocks, two aces. He's had a ridiculously good tournament, but yeah, they give Bartosz Bednors the start in, at home, assuming it's going to be good enough. And in his first match of VNL, just really, really sloppy. So. Uh, It actually is a very interesting win that has a lot of effects on the tournament because Iran coming in was, I think, in eighth, uh, right on the bubble. I think they came in at four and four. Uh, Yes, so they improved to five and four. Uh, They knocked Poland out of first place. And now actually Italy uh, leads VNL on the men's side as of this very second of seven and two. 22 points just because of how easily they beat Bulgaria today. So a very interesting battle for the one seed. Um, and Italy, funny enough, Italy doesn't even need to win all these matches because if they finish top eight, they've got the one seed because they're hosting. They might just go win the like earn the one seed straight up. I mean, they, they they've already got the one seed, right? Because they're not going to be falling out, out of the top eight. Yeah, they've they've got seven top. wins. It's yeah, they, it, it's, they've, it's they've got seven wins. They've only got three more. The worst that they can finish seven seven and five, right? So you have to go yep. pretty far down the the uh, the roster to get to or the standings to get to that point. Yep, so it, it looks like Italy will take the one seed into the finals on the men's side, but yeah, still still a lot to play for. Uh, Iran did themselves a lot of favors, but like we, we talked about a little on last last week's show, some of the huge matches coming up this week for the men. Serbia versus Slovenia head-to-head is enormous. Yep. And then Slo- and Serbia versus Iran later in the week head-to-head equally enormous. Just, just huge, huge matches that might single-handedly decide the playoffs. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on this week for sure. 100%. And I'm going to be watching any match that invo- involves Australia. And 
for the first time ever, I'm going to be trying to bet against Dave Preston. Sorry, DP, you know, you're my boy, but uh, what needs to be done needs to be done. Uh, and uh, Australia has to finish last in the VNL so that Canada can stay alive. Yes, and uh, I still strongly suspect that that will be the case. Um, uh, speaking of Slovenia, Clement Chabel is on the roster this week. So I think okay, they, let's go, Chabul. Yeah, so they've, they've got their now their full complement of, of dudes who have made all those Euro volley runs. And they, Do you think that changes anything for them? Really? Yeah, was, like, yeah, it does because uh, Chabel is significantly better than Ziga Stern. And so now you don't have to play Urn out unless Mozic is passing the ball poorly. And and now you don't have to set Tonchek Stern 40 balls. You can set Chabel 35 balls. And uh, and the way they played well in VNL last year was by kind of strategy, strategizing Clement Chabel into the leading scorer role, like just giving him all sorts of balls in and out of system. So with him back, I think Slovenia looks a little more like what they want to look like play style wise. And uh, I'm curious to see if they're going to be, be able to make a miracle run to the playoffs. It's not mathematically impossible, but they do play Serbia tomorrow actually at 2 PM Eastern. Serbia, that is Bo- a huge Bulgaria, one. Serbia, Bulgaria, Iran, and Poland. That's not that bad of a week. It's really not no. that bad of a week with Poland Absolutely probably not. probably resting the starters in those la- in that last match. Like, but I mean, hey, already are starters. Anyone, any any one of those fourteen guys they have right now could could start. Oh, for sure. Like they're right. they're a ridiculously deep team, but yeah, not not impossible for Slovenia to make a run. Definitely not impossible for Serbia to make a run. So uh, I'm with you. I think it'll it kind of comes down to those three teams: Iran, Serbia, Slovenia for the last playoff spot. Go, if Slovenia can go three and one here, finish finish six and six. Like, does does that get them in? Does six and six get you into the playoffs? I think six and six would have gotten you into the. Play- I think it will for one of the teams, but I think it would have gotten them in over Iran before Iran beat Poland, and I really think that changed a lot. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to follow along the rest of this week. Like, can the Netherlands at five and three hold on long enough to survive in the playoffs? I think we were noticing they have a bit of an easier schedule. So uh, yeah, maybe they can get Italy, away with it. They've got China, Italy, Poland, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. And China, you said? Yeah. So got, half of it's easy, the other half isn't. Yeah, Italy, Poland. But they play Italy and Poland last. So they might be resting their guys by that point. Yeah, the Netherlands could survive. Going to be dramatic. Uh, Going to be dramatic for, for sure in men's VNL. So uh, to follow along with more of that, because there will be so much more played before next week's show, next Tuesday, join the Discord. Uh, the Volleyball Source Discord, the link is in the description for, by far, the greatest online community of volleyball fans that there is in the world. It's it's growing by the day. It is so full of the combination of great analytical, awesome content and discussion and just ridiculous memes in a wonderful, wonderful yeah. blend that I just love so much. So I uh, can't recommend enough that you join the Volleyball Source Discord. And that is a great place to chat about all the matches going on this week, especially if you don't live in the Western Hemisphere and the match times are a little bit more friendly for you. Yeah, absolutely. Unlike it is for us. Yeah, these one-in-the-morning yeah, matches are brutal. I mean, I, I am going to like it. I won't lie. Like, whether that Saturday morning game, I'll be able to come home because that's like Friday night, Saturday morning, coming home right, right from work. I'll get myself some food, get buy myself a few beers, going to watch that one uh, watch live. Watch that, so. that, that quick hour in a shower of the U.S. No, I tell you, the, the, boys are gonna be, the boys are going to be ready to play the United States of America. If there's one thing... 
that gets us chapped up, it's playing the United States. Hey, Everett, I, I think we might need to make a bet. I think we might need to put something on this. What if, oh, how about how about the loser, the, the loser of Canada versus the USA men, which is like ridiculously early Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning. The loser between you and I will sing the winner's national anthem on next week's show. That's terrible content <laughs> for, our, for our listeners. They're going to sit and listen to us. Like, and let's be honest. Okay, if Canada wins... You need to sing the French parts. Oh of, no! Like, you need to learn. Oh, you need no. to learn the bilingual version oh, no. of o Canada. Okay, fine. Need, because okay. because the Star Spangled Banner is like that's a hard song to sing. Ooh, you know, not. like I'm... all right. You, you got a deal. You got a deal. If we if if uh, if the U.S. somehow loses to Canada, I will sing the French na- or sorry the the French bilingual version of the Canadian national anthem on next week's show. <laughs> Okay, boys. Like, oh man, this, you, you need to save me here because I do not want to have to sing the Star Spangled Banner. I'll even I'll even write a guitar part to it behind me. Uh, I'll I'll give you a little performance next week. It'll be fun if it, if and only if, if the U.S. loses. Oh no! It, if, if Canada loses, dude, you're on your own. You, you can provide your own accompaniment if you want. But, um, ooh, yeah, this is gonna. I, be very, I wish very I fun. had. I wish I had like American jerseys or something, like something American, like an American flag. Can you send me an American flag, and I'll make it fall during and like with fireworks, yeah, gunshots going off. Oh, oh my goodness! Uh, so yeah, the, uh, that that's that's the wager. It's official. Uh, okay. The lo- oh. loser of Canada USA will sing the winners Come anthem on, on next week. Win show. this one for me. Win this. <laughs> just one match. Just one more match in VNL. We're gonna take down. We're gonna take down the United States of America. And Rob Flair is gonna have to sing "O Canada" in English and in French. I cannot wait to hear you sing my country's anthem on next week's show. Uh, a couple more things before we wrap up. One is that there is a giant one gigantic transfer bomb that dropped this week, and I don't like spending that much time on transfers while VNL is literally going on, but Juting to Scandici is Man, maybe, maybe the biggest single transfer other than Huge. Egonu to Vakithbank this entire year, men's or women's. like That is a massive, massive, massive deal. And Scandici this past year, who is kind of just missing that one go-to unbelievable player consistently, just got one. But especially, but especially now, because now that Liga Valley Feminili no longer has Paolo Agonu, who's just going to loom over everything, the even the playing field is so even. Yeah, and I mean is. we've seen we've seen like Kelsey Robinson is going to Emoco Canigliano, so is Alexa Gray. Um, you've got uh, what's her face, um, Hawk Isabel Hawk, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, heading to to Canigliano as well. Um, it, everything's moving around, and I'm really really excited to see what this top end of um, of Italian volleyball looks like this season. Because, you know, Jordan Thompson is heading to play for Monza. Right. Like, so much quality is is, is going to be at that top level. Those those top five teams between Canigliano and Busto and uh, Scandici, uh, Monza. Monza, Novara, and, yeah. And Novara. Like, those top five teams are going to be fun to watch. And it's really a toss-up now that Agon is gone. Yep, quite spicy. Speaking of Isabel Hawk, I'm glad you brought her up because uh, she single-handedly carried the Swedish women's team to a win in the European Silver League. So we talked about Silver Golden Leagues a couple weeks ago. The women's hadn't finished up yet. It is now finished, and Sweden wins. And so now Sweden will play Golden League next year. They could... They're, they're now on the path to being a VNL team in a couple of years, and it's really just on the back of one 
unbelievable player, which is Isabel Hawk. So I uh, wanted to shout that out for sure. Last thing yeah, I want to talk even, about. But even like Ooh, even yeah. at this point, if you're if you're to look at Sweden versus Belgium, like I don't know if Sweden even matches up against teams like France and Czech Republic and Croatia. They certainly have one player that matches up, and as we've seen in women's volleyball, sometimes that's all it takes. So uh, it'll take a couple years for sure. But I, I, congrats to Sweden; they'll play Golden League next year, and you never know. You never know that they they could play VNL as soon as 2024 if they do if they win everything as fast as they can so that would be interesting um last thing i want to talk about is something very different this is not quite the level of professional indoor volleyball that we usually cover on this show but uh everett is very jealous and we'll have a lot of fomo because of where i'm going to be this weekend and that is the wapaka boat ride grass volleyball tournament this is an event in the middle of nowhere uh specifically oshkosh wisconsin in the Midwestern, Oshkosh, that's right. In the Midwestern United States, it is they build as the U.S. Open of grass volleyball. Uh, this tournament has been around since 1984 in many, many forms in many different places, but has since settled in this beautiful and wonderful field called Brighton Acres. Uh, there are like there's a bunch of days worth of play. There's an AVP sand event on Friday evening that like counts for AVP points if you're a beach volleyball fan. But the event that matters is three-on-three grass on Saturday. Uh, I I live in Chicago. I live here in the Midwest where we are obsessed with playing outdoor grass three-on-three in the summer. And it's just such an electric style of volleyball. It's fast. uh, It's indoor rules mostly. So, like, you can can receive serve with your hands. You can set quickly. Like, ball handling guidelines are more like indoor. Block doesn't count as a touch. Like, stuff like that. You've got a setter and two attackers, so you've got some real offensive options. It's a pretty electric thing to watch. I personally find it way more fun to watch than beach. It's not even particularly. Close. Are you playing? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, you're, you're not just you're not. Yeah, yeah. Anything. I'm 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 playing like I always do, and then as as soon as my team loses in the playoffs, I'll go and start commentating the open finals like I did last year. So uh, it, they will be live streaming the games. They, they, they do a pretty decent uh, live production. Uh, Wapakaboatride.com is the website where you can find all this. But a couple of the storylines to watch out here for are. On, on, on the men's side for triples, will the out-of-system boys win it again? Now, this is Joe Worsley, Gage Worsley, and Micah Ma'a, who have come to the last two Wapakas and won them pretty, pretty easily. Uh, the first one was a crazy one where one of their got, where Dalton Solberg got hurt, and they picked up a guy like literally off the bleachers, and they won the tournament anyway. Uh, last year, Micah came in. They were but the best team there by far. It wasn't even close. Uh, one team that I do want to shout out is having a chance to beat them. Listen to this, Everett. Dustin Watton, Nicolas Scherzen, and Blake Leeson, who's a middle that plays in Germany. And then uh, Dave Evans is their fourth, who's, who's a VLA guy, outstanding all-around player. They, with, with, like, with Nicolas Scherzen as a character, former NCAA Player of the Year, plays for Rosovia. Who's and like dishing, though? Either, either like... Leeson, the, the big middle, so he can, so he can block, or Watton. And they they have the defensive ability that can kind of hang with with the out of system crew because Worsley Worsley and Ma'a are by far the best defensive team oh. I've ever seen on the grass. I'm it's still picking. I'm still, still picking. I'm still picking um, the, the out of system boys over the uh, what's what's the uh, what's uh, Watton's thing called? They, they don't have team names in Wapaka, which is a shame. It would be much more fun if they did. But yeah, no, but like, what's what's his like? What's his uh, program? Oh, no called? easy buckets. Yeah, no easy yeah, buckets. That, no easy a buckets team. Fun little I, uh, I, volleyball media I, rivalry there. 
I am sad because uh, allegedly Eric Lepke was supposed to be playing on the team as well. He absolutely he was, was. But if, man, if Eric Lepke was on that that roster as well, then I'd start picking it. Because Lepke is a guy who could dish, right? He he played setter in, in high school, so I could 100% see him being a blocking setter, but also like a, an attack option there. Like any, you know, the, the, they had they would have options. But, oh, yeah. I mean, hey, Vienna's a little bit more important than uh, Wapaka Boatwright. Maybe a little. But uh, Wapaka Boatwright is sick. Grass three-on-three three is electric. And I think since the out-of-system kids have gotten there and have blown up their YouTube presence and people have seen all their vlogs and watched their tournament footage, the, the contagious, like, fun atmosphere that is grass three-on-three three has started to spread through, throughout the country because of the out-of-system kids kind of bringing the game to the West Rob, Coast, which is sweet. I'm a huge You know fan. what you need to do while, while you're there is you need to go sell this show for some advertisements um, for next year's things so we can go, you know, find find some sponsors that are attached to Wellpack. I'd be like, hey, we have a show. We'd love to come set up a booth for you guys and do a show live live on location. So There's, that I can come up that is a very, a very real uh, very real possibility. I've got a lot of media to do at WAPACA, both for the VLA and for this show. So I'll be doing my networking, and hopefully we can get you there next year, Everett. Uh, everyone else watching, you've got to get to this event. You've got to get to this event. It is my favorite weekend of the year. It, it is, it's, I, seriously, I look forward to it more than any other weekend of the entire year, just to drive up into the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. They have... I think I think it's a two thousand teams. I think they got the two thousand teams again this year, which is so just Rob, ridiculous. Here's, here's what I propose to you. Here's what I propose to you. Hit me. One year, next year I'll come to Wellpaca. We'll we'll do the Wellpaca thing. Then the year after that, you're gonna come with me to one of my favorite weekends of the year. That happens on the a very same weekend. Over no, I, I'm not I'm not skipping Wellpaca. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, yeah. Not. Come on, come on, come on, nope. come on. Yeah, absolutely. You not have to it. come. You have to come to the parties Vancouver Open in Vancouver, British Columbia. That is a party that will get you going. Uh, I, I will never, I will never leave my beloved Wapaka boat ride. So it's going down this weekend. I, I really, really, I, seriously, like from a volleyball perspective, I strongly suggest that people check this out. Uh, WapakaBoatRide.com is where you can find all the stuff about it. They're streaming a lot of the the games on Saturday night. It's legitimately awesome. I think it's a way more fun outdoor format than beach two on two. And if you're an indoor fan and you like the dynamic offense of like modern indoor, uh, you're going to like grass three on three a lot. So I really recommend checking this out. I cannot wait to be there. And if you happen to watch the show and you're going to be there, uh, come find me. I I won't be hard to find. You'll hear my voice on a microphone all day on Saturday. Well, I'm sad. I won't be there. Rob Wapaka boat ride is in my like bucket list of uh, items of volleyball events that I want to go to um, next year. I'm coming. Just get get. You need to go find us some ways that it can, that it can be paid for. You know, just just as long as as it's covered. That's all I need. Yeah, that can be arranged. Well, boys and girls, uh, in addition to Wapaka this week, we've got all VNL, men's VNL that we talked about, and on next week's show, we'll have a lot to break down, and not just Wapaka, but uh, VNL finals will be coming up very shortly thereafter. So. Uh, we're never slowing down the volleyball world. Join the Discord for sure, like we mentioned earlier. The link's in the description uh, to just talk about this stuff 24-7 with volleyball fans from around the world. And uh, check out our sponsors, uh, thatvolleyball.store and BetUS also in the description. Uh, Ever anything else, or can we get the people out of here? No, we can get the people out of here. Join the Discord. We've got over 600 great volleyball fans. And go buy us some merch. Support us a little bit. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Peace. See you next week to see uh, who's singing uh, the other one's national anthem.